This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Three on one. Spagley the step. Spagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the boat. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. Steve Fox scores five in the open court. It's into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm excited to go Kings Tulsa International today and talk about a couple of guys in this draft class that are uh, playing in uh, parts unknown. Uh, we got Lamilla Ball, who's been playing over in Australia, and Denny Avdia, I believe is the correct pronunciation. It's like a soft J. Sure, yeah, we'll go with that. I was hoping that <laughs> I was going to rely on you for this one. Yeah, uh, uh, how do you say it? Avija? Avia? I, the way that I've heard it from, like, people in, uh, like, EuroLeague people is Avdia. Mm-hmm. Like, you almost don't even hit the J, Avdia. Uh, but I also have heard a lot of people say Avdija, but I, I don't know, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, we're 19 years old, 6'8", uh 215, uh playing for Maccabee Tel Aviv. Um and yeah, definitely an intriguing project here that that projects as a sort of 3-4. Um is there a certain part of his game that you want to start with here? Um I'm tempted to start with talking about his shooting. Because that seems to be like we're going to talk about shooting a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's probably the the swing skill for him, right? Like if he can shoot, he could be really valuable, and if he can't shoot, uh, he could be a real real issue. Um, and it's it's like the problem. Okay, so we can start with really the place to start with him is is playing time and the sample size because. So, uh, while Avdia is, uh, you know, a yearly guy, he's obviously not like a Luka Doncic-level yearly guy. He's not been winning the MVP of the EuroLeague, right? Um, he really didn't get a ton of playing time this season until more recently. Um, I saw that Sam Vecini at the Athletic pointed out 
his last eight games, he had um, a good amount of uh, playing time. Ended up putting up a, a nice stat line. Um, just trying to find it right now. I believe it is, yeah, so 13.8 points, mm-hmm. 5.4 rebounds um, in the last eight games. But, but his entire season is just, you know, 14 minutes per game. So four points a game, 2.6 rebounds a game. 1.2 assists, like there's just that's not a lot of data to go off of. It's not, and a lot of what I've seen is that people are excited from what they saw in Israel, which is uh, obviously a lower level league. Um, and I mean, where he had a little bit of a bigger role. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that we're talking about a, a high level, you know, top five, top ten prospect that's getting 15 minutes per game in, in the Euro League here. Um, so obviously the sample size is a bit concerning here, but unlike the guys we talked about in the first one of, uh, Wiseman and Edwards, Denny is all about his feel for the game and just seems like a high, I mean, he's a high IQ basketball guy and that is going to make him, even if, if the shooting ends up staying at this really unreliable, you know, 27% from three, 55% from the free throw line. He, that high basketball IQ he has is so appealing that you'd have to think he'd have some sort of impact being a six eight pick and roll forward initiator. Yeah, it's concerning though when like the pitch for a player is their IQ, like when that comes first, because it just seems like they're going to be so capped, like they're going to be a role player, support player from the beginning, and that is kind of how I see him. Um, you know, like we mentioned the size, the frame. He has a very desirable position, a very desirable height, decent wingspan, 6'9", uh, you know, decent weight, like definitely going to add some pounds, I think, when he moves to the NBA, getting older as well. But, yeah, like I don't know that I could ever see this guy being better than like a Harrison Barnes. Hmm, interesting. I... I think there's a lot of value to these wing initiators. That I, I guess Barnes, I mean, yeah, because you're not probably going to get this. I don't know if I'd buy Barnes ever having, or Denny ever having Barnes-level defense, and obviously that's huge for these threes. Hmm. And the shooting as well, I think, is like the big thing, right? Terrifying. Barnes is just a really solid high 30% shooter. You know you're going to get that from him. And if Denny doesn't get that, you're right to point out the passing. Mm-hmm. He is a much better initiator. Uh, but, you know, everything else, I don't know that he's going to get to that, like, NBA starter quality, small forward, power forward. Huh. I, I think he could get to starter quality. Um, but I, I think I, it's interesting. I hadn't thought, thought of this Barnes comp because it's similar where, you know, they're taking – Smart shots for the most part. I think Barnes got asked to do a little bit much in Dallas, obviously, and you saw some poor um, shot selections there. But for the most part, it's smart shot IQ. But when you see it in this EuroLeague, it's like, okay, there's not that much athleticism to him here. And the space he's creating is really not much. If he's doing it against NBA guys, is he really able to get that off? Um, So there are those questions there. I just... I mean, there's something – I think having this high feel for the game, it probably is a weakness for me here, but I just think that he finds a way 
to be impactful, assuming that the shot is not absolutely terrible, which there is a possibility there. Um, the shot, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to speak on, on people's shots all too much in regards to, you know, if I think they're going to be able to fix it um, because that's kind of what needs to happen with this Denny and LaMelo that we're going to get to. Um, but I, I think that, you know, he's a he's a good cutter. I think he's a good finisher. I think that there if, if he gets a um, small guy switched onto him, that he's willing to go into the post a little bit there, and he makes nice passes out of the post as well. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think he could be a, a starting three, potentially four. Like, if he put on some weight, I think that he'd be able to guard fours. Um, but if he doesn't, he is kind of in this can't, too weak to guard fours. And we mentioned kind of a lack of athleticism. That's also with his lateral quickness where it's like, okay, can he really stay in front of threes? Um, so, yeah, there is a lot that needs to improve for him to be a starter. But, I, I mean, with this this feel, this high IQ, and a reportedly hard worker, I, I just from what I see, I have a little bit of faith that he'll eventually become a passable shooter and do what he needs to do to be a passable uh, defender as well. Yeah, I think when I am referencing a starter-level guy like a Harrison Barnes, I mean more like an average starter, whereas – I could definitely see him being a low-end starter, like the 28th, 29th best, you know, small forward, power forward in the NBA. I think that's possible. Um, again, it's going to hinge on his shooting, but like, I think that he could be it's, – it's hard to choose skills to go into in depth because he just feels like a very well-rounded player. Yeah. But the downside to that is that there's not – any like real elite skill that I want to cling to. Maybe it's the passing, but you know, he's kind of like an inversion of Harrison Barnes in that way where Barnes is like good at everything, maybe a little lackluster, a little below average. Like he's a, he's a well-rounded player with a little bit of a deficiency at passing, whereas Denny might be a well-rounded player with a little bit of a, like a boost in passing. Yeah, and while I do think that forward passing is a very valuable asset, obviously the shooting is is way superior there, Um, obviously relying on guards for the most part to do the initiating, especially we're talking Sacramento specifically. You're talking Bogey and Fox, obviously. Um, I I will say for for his defense, um, I, I do think that he does get beat, but he does a really good job of recovering. And he doesn't necessarily have the physical profile to be amazing at it, but I was pretty impressed with his rim protection in regards to just being in the right spot and being vertical on guys. Definitely. He is super polished, and you can tell that he's, you know, kind of in contrast to LaMelo, who we're going to get to in the second half of this episode, he is technically very polished, and he's been brought up in a system that, like, teaches – the traditional way to play the game very well, whereas LaMelo is really just kind of like, you know, feeling himself and doing like, you know, a lot of like street hoops type of moves and really flashy stuff where Denny is like just a really, really um, fundamental guy. Right. Yeah, you definitely see that. Um, And like I said, I probably have a little bit of a weakness for those guys. Um, It's just the, the guys that I tend to like, maybe, you know, obviously 
I, I think probably a majority of guys are like that since they don't have that ridiculous athleticism themselves. Um, but I, I think that he he just finished through contact fairly well with both hands. I, I think his finishing at the rim was was somewhat nice, and like I said, taking advantage of those mismatch, mismatches. Um, yeah, it is hard to see what to really point at here because, like you're saying, it is this uh, jack-of-all-trades. Um, I, I mean, how do you see how, – how would you see this fit with a Sacramento roster because – or I guess do you – is it a three or a four to you with Denny? Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it's a, he's a forward, and I think, like, he could play on either side of Barnes. He'd probably start – uh, at the three, if Barnes were at the four, um, until he grows, you know, and fills out. And then, you know, I mean, I could even potentially see, depending on how much he grows, how much strength he adds, that being flipped. But kind of, like, irrelevant who plays what. I could see them being the two forwards in this team. And, frankly, the fit is great because the Kings just desperately need anyone this guy's size that can hold their own and be smart make good cuts, make good reads, you know, play decent defense. I, I mean, I think the fit actually would be glorious. Is he like a six eight bogey that can't shoot? It kind of came into my mind at some point. Yeah, um, that feels about right. I don't think that he would be – do you think he's as good of a passer as bogey? Um, I think so. Maybe – hmm. Maybe Bogey slightly beats him out here, but I, I do really like Denny's passing. I think initiating a pick and roll, um, drop off passes, um, when the help defender's coming over, I, I think it's close. Yeah, and I will just say for reference, uh, when Bogey was playing in the EuroLeague, uh, he was older, obviously, but he was, um, you know, he was leading his team. He was. Starting every game, he was averaging you know, 14, 15 points a game at times. So he was a much more developed player back then. Um, and again, you got to think about it's a, at least a five-year difference in their ages. But he, he is not the level that Bogdan Bogdanovich was in the EuroLeague. Yeah, which is totally fair, and and like I'm saying, I mean, if we're talking without shooting, like, shooting is ginormous in today's NBA. Like, if this shot does not come along, and the scariest part of this isn't even the 27% from three for me, it's the 55% from the free throw line. Like, okay, and you do have to acknowledge, obviously, small sample size, 18 attempts, um, ridiculously attempts, small sample size, which, yeah. one is, uh, my my apologies, poor journalism by me there, I had no clue that I was looking at 18 attempts here. Um but, it, it, I mean, there is concern with the free throw there and obviously the three-pointer as well. Um, I, yeah, I mean, if you're talking this guy that can't shoot, like the decent creation that he gets, the passing out of a pick and roll, it's like, okay, well, where is this guy really a threat if he's only um, finishing around the rim? So if the shot doesn't come around, a lot of his offense, aside from some some nice cutting and and – and that passing really takes a hit as well, it, is, it really becomes an issue. And part of that free throw sample size, I think, is that he's not – he doesn't get to the line all that much. Um, obviously, you know, less than one free throw attempt a game isn't great, but that's, that's not on a prorated basis. It just doesn't – he doesn't have a guy – he's not the kind of guy that feels like he gets to the line all that much, even 
on a per 36-minute basis, less than two free throw attempts a game. Again, you know, in the EuroLeague, as a young kid, I don't know how much he can be expected to to be a bruiser and to, to go through guys, but, you know, there's some concern there. Um, there's some concern. It, 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 it's the, this is the problem with this draft. It's like, and we're going to get to it with Melo, who has even more question marks. Like, there is just so much uncertainty with these guys. Yeah, and for a second here, let's entertain and say that the the shot does turn does come around for him. I mean, where do you see his his ceiling being? Is it to me? It's a you know secondary playmaker on a team, like a second option behind Fox sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, a ceiling for him could be. I like both of the guys on the on the Kings we've talked about as good solid reference points for Kings fans a taller, bigger, stronger bogey, or like a Harrison Barnes with more passing acumen. I think either of those would be fine, like ceilings. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, it's no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. And then if we talk about the floor, I mean, this is, you know, what a initiator wing that can't shoot. I, I don't even know. I, I mean, I think that, like I said, his IQ would maybe make him a passable, like, eighth guy, but that's not who you're trying to pick in the lottery. Um, but again, yeah, like you're saying, most of these lottery guys have a floor that it's like, okay, you really could end up, like, not being a guy that's on his team after his rookie contract. The floor concerns me greatly because there's no one skill to hang on to where you can't say, like, well, even if the other stuff doesn't come around, at least he's got this, right? Uh, and we know he's going to be great at this. That's not the situation here. And his, you know, part of the way he played in the early league scared me a little bit, too. I know that there's differences between the leagues, and I know that he loves to post up. And I don't know if that's the way that the NBA is going. And it's fine because he can pass out of the post. He can initiate from the low block. And and that's great uh, as long as he does that and doesn't get sort of tunnel vision on the bucket at that point. But I know he – I saw some interviews with him where he was talking about that he feels like that's his best strength is playing in the post. And so there's two concerns there. One, like I mentioned, maybe that's not the best area to have your biggest strength right now in the modern NBA. And two, you know, how successful are you going to be in the post when your competition gets a lot more athletic all of a sudden? Right. And and Denny needs to get stronger if he's going to be playing that four and banging with those guys. I will say that 
part of uh, the reason I'm a little more comfortable with his post game is because of that passing. I do think his decision making out of the post makes it a little more acceptable for him to be going to that more often. Um, but at the same time, it, it's more so if a smaller guy is on him um, and maybe like he's flashed a little bit of a turnaround that he can do over guys that are similar sizes. Um, but again, the shot's a question and that's just flashes. So I'm not all too confident in that right now. Um, so yeah, the, the passing does make me feel a little bit better about the post game, but not enough to be, yeah, like you're saying, one skill that you know you're going to be able to depend on. Right. Where would you feel comfortable drafting him right now? I know we haven't gone through all the prospects, but what's your, like, read on this? Yeah, I mean, it, because of this super low floor, I mean, mm, like, it, it's top 10, uh, top 5, probably not. It's probably around 7, roughly, without having – like you're saying, dove into the rest of the guys? Yeah, I think that you could make a case for him. In So, like, again, with the Kings, right, we got to consider that they're probably going to be picking around 12. Maybe that changes slightly. Maybe the season is played out. Maybe they move, you know, up to 10th or down to 14th or something like that. Um, but it's kind of in that late lottery range. Or they they move up in the lottery and they're in the top four. So the question, if you got him around seventh, is do you even really consider this guy? Like, are we going to take a closer look at this guy? Because I don't think that you or I feel like he's going to fall far enough for the Kings to pick him if they don't jump. And then, you know, the question would be maybe would you consider him fourth if that's where the Kings end up? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Maybe um, consider it. Okay. I mean, maybe I'd consider it, but... I mean, he's getting mocked in that general vicinity, like four, five, six. Yeah, right? Vicini's latest had him six, um, and obviously mocks just... Yeah, I mean, they're changing constantly here. Um, now, he's not a guy that, you know, if like if he falls to you, I feel like you have to pick him sort of thing. Um, in LaMelo, I feel a little more – I feel way – I feel more like that with LaMelo than Denny for sure. Yeah, I mean, if he fell to 12 and the Kings picked 12, then yeah. obviously you have to take him there. Right. Um, but, yeah, like at four, I just kind of feel like how we went with Wiseman where it's like, you know what, I'm really, really going to be aggressive in shopping this pick and trying to trade down. Until We're going to have to get um, – this is Tim's guy, right? It is, yeah. Like, we're going to have to get someone else on here to come on and defend him because because I know there are plenty of people within King's Twitter that are uh, pretty high on Denny. I think some of it, honestly, is the, the losing out on the last, you know, highly tattered prospect mm-hmm. in the EuroLeague that, like, yeah. well, we didn't get Luka, but maybe we can hit the lottery on this guy. But think of all the ones before Luca. Like think of a Mario Hazonia, which like sure. this guy could totally be Mario Hazonia, you know? Yeah, he really could be. That's actually not a bad like floor. Right, it's floor terrifying. Him. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I I think I would consider him at four if say you know uh, Edwards and Wiseman and Ball went one two three. 
and the Kings were at four, and they couldn't find a deal that they liked, I would I would take a good hard look at him. And I don't know, maybe I would just go with players that I felt like had skills that I knew I could bank on. Um, maybe just going with like an Akongu or a Toppin at that point. Um, right. Yeah, Toppin. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess we're not diving into those. But, yeah, like, I'd probably – I would definitely consider Onyeka and, like, a Koro there for sure. Before, um, At least that comes front of my mind before Denny. A Koro is a really interesting one to kind of debate between – because I think he actually has a lot of the same issues. I think they're very similar players. They're both very well-rounded. I think a Koro is a much better defender. Mm-hmm. But they're also both kind of, like, questionable shooters with nice passing, wing-initiator types. Yeah, but I think that Denny is more reliant on his offense developing, and to me, Okoro is going to be a problem off-ball defensively no matter. Yeah, you're right, and I think that's, that's, that's again, the big fear is, like, I don't know what I can hang on to. I don't, like, with Okoro, even if everything else falls apart, like, I know he's going to be good at this. And with Ball, we've got that, too. If you're comfortable just transitioning into Lamelo here, no matter My last what thing on happens. Denny will be is yeah. just that, I mean, the fact that he's 6'8", you kind of mentioned it, and I think there is this defensive potential there where he could comfortably be covering threes and fours. I'm not the most comfortable with his lateral quickness, obviously. I think it, it could get better, um, but with a little bit of strength there, just the fact that you're 6'8", and a passable defender holds a lot of value in the league. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like... He's the only real three four on the <laughs> on the board like at all, right? Like that's that's honestly his uh, big draw. Yeah. I don't know, like I think he's filling that gap, but I don't know anyone else who you could say he's a three four. Maybe like you're getting into like Sadiq Bay or you know, I, I mean even then like he is the you, most you have to go pretty far here, you're right. He's the most prototypical 3-4 type of guy. Like, there are other 6-9 guys, but they just play bigger. Like, Obi Toppin, also 6-9, but he's really, you know, he's a big man. Uh, Patrick Williams, but then you're talking, yeah, you're talking outside of the lottery at that point, you know? Um, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but, but yeah, that that's about what I got on Jenny there. Um, that's just the last thing I want to throw in there. I mean, yeah, there is a lot of value in being that, that six eight guy, and that's I mean part of why Harrison Barnes got this contract. And that's all. That's like that's the whole draw for him to the Kings. I think like, and that wouldn't surprise me at all if that's Tim's logic. Is like, hey, the Kings most desperately need a three four. They, you know, Barnes is the only right. three four guy they've had since Rudy Gay that's been like able to hold his own. Uh, it, it would be wonderful to get that guy. So. I don't know. I have a little bit of hope that a guys like a Coro or Vassal could grow into that, but they're really more like two threes in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And uh, moving on to LaMelo, I think it's going to be easy as a first thing that we want to talk about here. I'll go through just the basics of a 6'7 height for LaMelo, which is um, – I'm sorry, 6'6 is what the San Bassini has it at here. Um, and obviously that's, that's great height. He's very – comparable body to his brother Lonzo that's in the league now um, and over playing in Illawarra uh, for NBL, the Australian League. 
And obviously, it's the passing with Lamelo that's ridiculous. The same thing you see with Lonzo. It's if you saw Chino Hills highlights, which was littered over everyone's social media, these ridiculous outlet passes that when I was watching, I was like, this is stupid. What type of basketball is this? I did not think it was going to be translatable. And sure enough, like, it is, it's working for Lonzo, um, it, it, this playmaking. And you see these very it, – it's casual with LaMelo of, of getting the board, and he just doesn't – he's surveying the floor instantly. He'll get the board himself, and it's these very casual one-handed push passes, almost these, like, uh, quarterback throws that you see from him. Um, but the playmaking is ridiculous, not even, not even outlet passes only, but – pick and roll, every, the passing in every which way from Lomelo is ridiculous. Yeah, and this is the opposite of the argument that we just – this is the opposite case of the situation we talked about with Denny where we don't have one thing to grasp onto. If he doesn't develop, he doesn't develop, and there's not going to be a skill to hang your hat on. Like, Lomelo Ball is going to be a phenomenal passer, period. Um, and I think having that and knowing that is going to be able to – it's going to keep him a lot higher on draft boards. And, yeah, I mean, it's incredible to watch. I mean, just a highlight reel, it's just – it's going to be – if you haven't seen Lamelo passing the ball, just go watch, like, 10-minute highlight videos of him doing it. It's incredible to see. Um, yeah, the outlet stuff, obviously, and it's not just the quarterback-type throws. It's like the bounce passing is absurd. Yeah. The the way that he like the no look stuff is absurd. The way he leads guys with his with his eyes, the vision, you know, Both he sees passes, every it's everything. Yeah, I mean he's I think like he could legitimately be the best passer in the NBA. Yeah, it, it's Trey Young to me. Like I see so much of this Trey Young vision and interestingly the Trey Young shot selection that gets a lot of crap. Um except he can't shoot. Yeah, exactly, which is a ginormous issue. Um, because, yeah, same thing. I mean, 6.7 three-point attempts. He loves his pull-ups um, and the shot IQ and um, decisions are definitely questionable, but 25% from three. 72% from the line is, is a bit more encouraging. Um, but, again, he's not really getting there too often. He's definitely a guy that is avoiding contact. Uh, but you see a really nice touch to him as well rather than rather than the finishing you're getting these ridiculous floaters with both hands. Sometimes the floaters are so far out that it's like nearly a three-pointer. Um, but the yeah. touch the touch on him is really nice as well. I don't know that I love the floater because it's like he maybe just shouldn't be taking those shots. Like even if you can hit those, it's just weird. Like it's not a normal floater range. Yeah. It feels like, hey, man, just learn how to shoot and learn how to get to the rim. You don't I, – I, it's almost discouraging to me to see a guy that takes these awkward shots. Yeah, I mean, I do think that a big reason that he has this floater from such a range is that he's not a mid-range pull-up guy. Like, his pull-up shot just is not very encouraging. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of it. But I, I do think there is value in having that floater as well. I mean, again, Trey Young, you see that. You see that with a uh, – with a um, who's the two-handed uh, ambidextrous guy, Mike Conley, you see it with. you. Uh, I, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has a nice floater. Obviously, there's a little bit more finishing around the rim and physicality there as well. I do think there's value in this uh, floater for sure, but a lot of it does probably stem from just not being comfortable with pulling up a mid-range shot. 
Yeah, no, and I don't have a problem with floaters in general, but like again, these are these really bizarre, super long range floaters where it's probably not the best idea to take those. Like it might be fine if it, as long as it goes in, fine. I guess you can do it, but it's indicative to me of a guy that just is choosing to not get to the rim, like or even. Yeah. If you can take a floater from closer in, like in traditional floater range, that's great. That's fine. Or, you know, yeah, work on a step back. Work on something mid-range. Use your passing to, to find an open teammate. I don't know that he's going to survive in the NBA taking 20-foot floaters all the time. Right, right. Um, yeah, and it, it's. I think that because the floater seems to be, like, the only reliable offensive shot that he has right now, and even reliable is a question there, is really the issue. Because, like we said, this three-point shot, and the form on him is – is terrible to me. Like it, it confuses the hell out of me. One time, sometimes his foot's flicking out. Um, it, it just is a super non-traditional form. It's a garbage shot. He's got a. He's got such an ugly shot. He'll take shots. Yeah, five, ten feet behind the three-point line yeah. for no reason. And like, he'll take them when he's moving. He'll take them when he's off balance. Even when he's like, even when he could be squared up, he chooses not to be. Uh, yeah, the flick of the wrist is like so over exaggerated. It's very stylized. It's very, I it, it feels very cocky to me. Like his whole game feels oh, for sure very cocky and flashy. And and I and I watched some interviews of him as well, and he is like that. Like he just is very full of himself. Um, at least from where I'm sitting and. I mean, maybe you should be if, like, you are a potential top three draft pick, but it's scary because he – this, this particular interview I watched, um, have you seen any of the Schmidt – I think it's Mike Schmitz for the first yeah. I have to watch every single one of these. It's great content. It's fantastic content. In his interview with Mike Schmidt, like, they go over tape and, like, he talks to him about – you know how he what what were you what were you thinking on this play right and guys like uh, Anthony Edwards or or Denny like those guys have great answers and they really talk you through the play yeah um, Lamelo is just like I don't know that's funny yeah that don't, don't remember yeah you don't remember what was going through your head nothing yeah and it's like well then how did you make this three he's just like natural talent. Right. Okay. I think I that's a, it's feel a little it. concerning. Yeah. 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 And he and he just didn't like seem to be talking to to Michael too much. Like, yeah. The the interview did the interview aspect of that did uh, definitely raise uh, a little bit of concerns there. And uh, but it, it back to his shot a little bit. Like, I mean, the the jumper itself off dribble does does scare me for sure. But I saw a little bit of potential in in the catch and shoot. He didn't do it all too often. Um, but it, it looked a lot cleaner there for sure for me. I mean, cleaner than, like, that garbage for sure. But <laughs> that, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he shot 25% on his threes for Illawarra, and that is not a great number. Um, again, like, a lot of that is due to shot selection. I This is the thing, like, and we're getting back to this with this draft, like, who knows, man? I have no idea what his shot's going to be like because obviously it needs to be completely 
reworked and rebuilt through an NBA staff, like a world-class yeah. staff, and he's teaching how to shoot. So maybe he can. Like maybe he's maybe he's a good shooter. Maybe he turns into thirty-five percent shooter. And if he is, his offense becomes ridiculous. Like I think that floater gains gains more value as well. Um, and obviously that he there's just a more gravity to him and allows him to play make more as well here. And and I think his defense is um. I I don't even know where to start with this because he has the capabilities to be a one to three defender really with the size that he has here. I think he has nice lateral quickness, but at times he's just completely checked out. And that's so hard to read if that's going to be the case later on, you know, especially on a team that to be quite frank, like Sacramento has a lot of their own problems. And I don't think that if we're talking, say LaMelo is this like, cocky guy that you know I mean if you get drafted to Sacramento it's like all right I'm gonna just uh, why it's Sacramento like I'm not gonna fully lock in you know sort of thing and there is a concern there but if he does like he really could be his brother level of defender to me well the fit with Sacramento is a disaster it's the opposite of the Denny fit to me like this might be the worst fit on the board outside of maybe point guards that are, like, truly six foot nothing, you know? My only argument would be that the transition game would be absolutely ridiculous. But the second year and a half court, you're terrified. But the Kings don't play transition offense. <laughs> right. But if you just, I mean, if you decided to go all in with it, you know, like, I, I think there is an argument because to me, like, if, because he can run an offense the level of Trey Young to me, like like you're saying, this passing oh, is so ridiculous. I don't think that he can do that at all. I mean, like Trey Young, it, my, yeah, he it, creates it, the space because he can shoot the ball. Like Lamelo is not going to walk in here day one. I understand if you're saying like two, three years from now, he can have a consistent 35% three point shot, but he's never going to be a Trey Young shooter. Never, never, never. never. Well, hmm. So what is uh, what's Trey shooting from deep? I'm gonna I, I gotta pull this up real quick. Um, yeah, 36 is yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that if a ceiling for Lamelo, I think he could become a average efficiency guy. So it, we would be I'd be talking a little bit less than that. But I mean, he has a range to him um, that I think. Is, no, I I gotta stop you here. I mean, like I, he he chooses to have that range because he. Just shoots whatever he damn well pleases, but but these Trae were, Young, I mean, those were concerns of Trey too, though in college, right? But like he actually shot the ball well. Like Trey Young shot. Okay, you can pull up his college stats too if you like. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna do that just to make sure, just to make this this uh, analogy complete. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. BlueChew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. 
Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE to get your first order free. In the NBA, uh, we start with well, – well, let's start with college, right? Mm-hmm. In college, he played uh, for Oklahoma, the Big 12. Obviously, I would I, – personally, maybe you disagree. I think that the level of competition is probably higher than the New Zealand, the NBL. Maybe there's a yeah. disagreement there. No, That's I, fine. I probably agree, yeah. Uh, you know, he took 10.3 three-point attempts a game and made 36%. So back to Lamelo in Australia, took just a little bit less than seven threes a game, hit 25%. That's a huge difference. And then Trey, yeah. you know, now in the NBA, like we're talking about, you're talking about if he could run an, an NBA offense. Trey's shooting 10 attempts a game, making 36% in the NBA. That is nothing like shooting seven shots a game in Australia and hitting 25% of them like that, that is such a big jump. I don't know. I don't believe that. Like, I just, I just truly do not believe that he will become a, a Trey Young level shooter. And I really also think that Trey Young's going to be a much better shooter than that. Like, I think he could be a 40% shooter from when he, when he has a team that's decent around him because his team is butt and we know that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I don't think that the shooting gets Trey level. Um, I, like we said though, I think the passing is is near there, and and, and obviously the biggest thing for Trey, and I, and obviously we're not saying exactly that this guy's Trey or anything, and I, I probably am getting too deep into this in this comp or whatever, but like it's this it being that level of playmaker, and say the shot does become a slightly below average level with range to it. I think that, like, I am buying that LaMelo, I, I just see the ceiling as LaMelo as being this ridiculous offensive initiator and also being able to guard one to, one to three at a great level. Like, I, I really think LaMelo has a really good chance of being the best guy in this draft. I don't know that I would agree with you in any other draft class, but I do agree with this draft class because I think there's just not there aren't any there aren't any obvious number one pot like there there just aren't top end talent there isn't like top end talent in this draft. I don't know. I have the reverse argument for you, which is you're talking about his ceiling as if he were to become a high volume thirty five percent shooter. My argument if he like because again like his shot is a question mark. It's a mystery box. It could be very solid. It could be really awful. Like, it genuinely could just never come around, right? Yeah. Uh, my opposite take up, my, my floor for him is, is Ben Simmons with worse defense. Obviously, he's going to have a little bit of better shot. He's gonna, he can shoot it, it. But, I mean, it could be – he could have a terrible shot, and then he's like a Ben Simmons mm-hmm. with a worse defending Ben Simmons. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, and, and yeah, because again, I mean, if the shot doesn't come around, it does really affect your playmaking capabilities. Even though I think he's absolutely ridiculous in that, we both do mention that. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, ben I, Simmons is a good playmaker. Like, he is. He yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think – but and even then, like, yeah, I, I guess what you'd be talking about a, a bench playmaker in a way, like – and again, I mean, that's the issue with most of this draft here. Um, I just mm, – yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's this height and, like, I guess part of seeing his brother buy into the defense is really making me buy the defense of LaMelo – um, and I think just being a, a really solid defender with that type of vision, and we didn't even talk about his dribbles, by the way. I, his handles are absolutely ridiculous in the way he's able to chain things together. Definitely. I mean, like, of the traditional point guard skills, he has got it. You know, I mean, he's got it all. Like, he's got what you want for a guy to run your offense. Um, the question is just, is he going to play defense and is he going to shoot the ball well? I feel like Lonzo, I feel like we kind of knew he was going to be a decent to good defender, whereas I feel like it's more of a question mark right now with Lamelo. but I do agree that if he buys in, he could be every bit as good. I just... Yeah, the issue is effort, for sure. The, yeah, like, there is a higher chance of him not buying in. Like, we know Lamelo's bought in defensively. I don't know... I mean, sorry, we know Lonzo's bought in defensively. We don't know that Lamelo will do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair there. Um, hmm. So, yeah, you said you, you hate the fit for this one on Sacramento, right? It's the worst fit I could possibly imagine. I can't – how on earth do you think that he would fit with Darren Fox? I mean, I just think that you run your ass off. So like, you think that you can build an NBA team around two point guards that do not have reliable shots? Assuming that Lamella uh, – um, yeah, because um, not if they don't develop reliable shots. Like, you kind of have to believe that both of them become, like, passable, average. Well, we're talking about, like, the fit. I mean, we're assuming that Darren Fox is probably not going to be a plus shooter, like, at best an average yeah. shooter. We're, so we should probably assume the same for Lamella, like, that at best they'll be passable shooters. So, I mean, if you're trying to build your team and you're looking at fit, like, Denny Avija is amazing fit for this team. Uh, I, I mean, like, that's the guy you would – if you were building a player for the Kings to draft, it would be – you would start – you would say 6'8", can guard threes and fours. That's how you start. Uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. Great cutter. Good. Good, good, good. Right. This like these are not the things that Lamelo is. Right. Yeah. That's that's definitely one of my uh, the just the big questions with Lamelo is if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, what is he really doing? And and to your point, yeah, I guess the same sort of question can be there with Fox on offense. Um, it, it's just to me like if you're talking Lamelo and Denny, both of them are available at four. Like, I, I almost just buy Lamelo's upside to the point where it's best player available. You I think know? You're, just, you're just hype on Lamelo. I but I yeah I have watched too many mixtapes, man. Now I'm I it's interesting because like I was not a huge Lamelo guy. I hated Lamelo for for most of his career, but it's like I, I just it's hard for me to deny this 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 playmaking that's there and the the real defensive one to three potential, you know? 
Honestly, explain to me how he would fit with Darren Fox. Yeah, no, I don't think the fit is is ideal. You're totally right. It, to me, it's more so that I think that Lomelo could like. I think he's the only guy in this draft, maybe not the only one, because there is some nice upside guys, especially the two that we've talked about. But like Lomelo can be your entire offense to me if he were to to pan out and not even reach his absolute ceiling. Um, but I just think that Lamelo could run absolutely everything, and I, I just I see a lot of value in that. You're higher on Lamelo than I think anyone I've ever spoken to. I don't know I, about that. I've seen a lot of people put Lamelo one. No, Lamelo one is fine, but like no one's saying that he can be the entire offense. Like he's he's your initiator. He cannot be your primary scorer. I don't think I've seen anyone that expects him to be an efficient scorer. You're right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm – sorry. I'm not trying to say that he's going to be the scorer. I just mean that he's – a ball in his hands every single possession, and he's the one creating for everyone else. So – but then that means you surround him with, like, good scores, right? Like, you surround him with offensive tools, offensive weapons. He's your quarterback. You get him great receivers, running backs, that sort of thing. Like, he's right. your passer. But, I mean, and, again, like, De'Aaron Fox – cannot be one of those guys. Like, he needs the ball in his hand. Like, that, yeah. that is, is a nightmare fit. And, like, I and to my point, what I'm saying is that I would trade the pick instantly. So, say that's, – Yeah, that's fair. Say, like, Wiseman went to Golden State number one and Edwards went to whoever number two and the Kings ended up at three. And you're looking at it, you're like, okay, well, I can take Lamelo, or I can, you know, take – Demi, or I can take Okoro, or I can take Toppin, or, yeah, I mean, like, to me, I'm instantly trading it, because what Lamelo could be for any other team is so much better than what he could be for Sacramento, because you automatically, or you got to trade De'Aaron Fox, which is an insane, which would be an insane move. Right. Or you got to let them both stagnate and not grow together. Yeah. No, t- no to be fair, I, I would, it, it makes sense to, to trade this as well. Um, it, it's just I I can't ignore this upside, man. Like I don't know, I don't know. Um, so where do you have him on your big board, and where would you have him for the Kings? I mean, for the Kings, it's just about when do you get to the point where you can't ignore his talent. Um, mm, I don't know, like. I haven't fully laid out a big board here. He's he's probably I mean I think Edwards is Edwards is my one and then it's probably LaMelo too. Um and in regards for the Kings, I mean there's a lot of guys I'd prefer over the Kings and, and the issue is just that because Fox really is like the what feels like the only guy on the Kings that's the future, you know. And like if it was any other position at all, obviously, like it, it would be perfect. It, I think that it's just so hard for me to be like a guy that I think could be a franchise player at some point, um, and just walk away from that, you know. Right, I mean, but you but just can't you have, have that two also. point guards, right? Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it's just to me that's why it doesn't work. But so just to 
shout out our friend Bryant West over at the Kings Herald. He has his draft board up there. It's constantly up there. Kingsherald.com on the front page, homepage. Um, and he has all of his, his big board there listed by both overall and King-centric. So, like, a king, what he thinks the big board should be for the Kings and what he thinks his big board is overall for any team. And he has ball third overall and 12th for the Kings. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, the Kings fit is questionable. I guess maybe I just got a bit excited looking at these uh, ridiculous outlet passes and imagining De'Aaron and, and Bagley catching these and getting too caught up in the transition game because – I mean, it, it is the same. I, I You already have that in Sacramento, um, talking this through, so you do need more of a half-court guy, and that's where LaMelo's issues all are. I mean, I don't deny that he could be a franchise player. Like, I think that's great. I think that for, you know, who's, who's picking second and third? I'm just looking. I mean, obviously we don't know for sure. but Right, like so Cleveland. Yeah, Charlotte, like Detroit. Cleveland, you just – I guess you just pick him because even if you've got Sexton and Garland, other point guards, like it doesn't matter. They're not yeah. franchise players probably. He'd be a dream for Detroit, New York, Minnesota, Chicago. I think. Even, even with D'Lo. Like I, I just – I mean, I guess I'm also just a little bit old, uh, lower on D'Lo. That's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, Detroit, New York, Chicago, those teams should trade up. Like, that, like if if they're 5, 6, 7 right now, mm-hmm. and if the Kings ended up jumping to 2 or 3 or 4, and Lamelo was there and those guys slide down to you know, 6, 7, 8, that's who you look at and you try to get whatever you can. Like, all right, you guys get Lamelo, we'll take pick 7 and, you know, something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that that is what I would end up doing. I just it, it's really hard for me to you know. I I mean I I don't as much as I love Fox. Like you, it it's always great to get another shot at a franchise player if Fox's you know shooting doesn't pan out um the way that you expect it to. He doesn't make defensive strides, you know. But at the same time, you have a good point where you can't spend the time developing both of the guys because they don't work side by side. Um, it, it would make sense to trade down. And by the way, LaMelo screams New York. Yeah, for sure. Just the way Lonzo screamed LA. Right. <laughs> it just seems like a match made in heaven. Even Chicago, like, to some degree, is a big enough big enough city to, yeah. to make it work. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely – it's hard for me to get past a best player available, assuming you're a top five, you know? I guess in this draft, it's a little bit easier to talk yourself out of that because there is a lot of questions um, with guys. And at some point, I, I I just need to I need to make a personal tier list here and see where you're really falling. Because to me, LaMelo's in this top one, um, and I don't have my – my chicken straight here to figure out exactly when you're fo- how many people are in that top one. Yeah, sounds like you have a lot of uh, things to sort out yourself here. <laughs> I definitely do. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think that's 
that's most of what I got on LaMelo here. Uh, I, I don't think I'm as high on him as I ended up uh, defending him and sounding like I was during this episode. Uh, it sounds like you want to trade De'Aaron Fox. For I know, I know. I realize that's like. how this is sounding. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm about to get a whole lot of crap. The other day I said I'd rather have John Morant than De'Aaron Fox. You got a whole lot of crap for that one. Um, oh, man, I'm just outing myself here. Yeah, um, that, that's pretty much what I what I got from here. I, I agree with you, though, that I – you would want to trade down, and it's. I mean, I really like in Okoro, Okongwu, or or Vassell. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd trade down. But if you had to take Denny or Lamelo, you're taking Denny, right? And it's, <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, as yeah. the Kings, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it probably. Yeah, I, you probably have to. I just yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't that 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 scenario doesn't really exist. You just take bell. I mean, take ball right. and trade it down rather than like that. You right. Can do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's definitely uh what I would lean towards there for sure. Um, it's just yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit uh focused on this upside of Lamelo probably too much here. So. Well, that's it, man. I think that's we're at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah man. Okay, so um. Last question I got for you here that is a different uh, – or off of these two guys. What is the first basketball team that you really remember watching? Like, do you have a team that made you fall for the game? Yeah, I do. Uh, it is the We Believe Warriors. Ah, we got the same team. What do you think? Sorry, sorry uh, everybody in Sacramento. If you can't appreciate the We Believe Warriors, no matter who, where you're from, then then come on, like – yeah, I was a freshman in college, and uh, yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I went to school in San Francisco, University of San Francisco, and uh, yeah, we we went to a lot of games. I, I have a uh, ex stepfather who has had season tickets forever, uh, like row one season tickets, like it's been his jam forever. Oh wow! And uh, even way back then, yeah. And Baron Davis, Captain Jack. I was a big Troy mm-hmm. Murphy fan, although they traded him for oh, okay. that, in that in that era. Mikhail Petrus was on the squad, right? Oh, absolutely. Air France. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I remember walking through uh, Oak Ridge Mall, and they had the, the orange shirts with everybody's last name in the starting five, and I think it's Davis, Ellis, Jackson, Harrington, Beedrins? Yeah, I Beedrins. think that was the five. Al, I mean, that's early. Yeah, Al Harrington. That that was before we believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Barnes on the team, obviously. Well, you, you've been watching. Yeah. Have you you've seen this all the smoke podcast that started up, right? I have not. No. Wow. Okay, you got to get on this. It's Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, and they just sit there and interview a bunch oh, of different players. Yeah. I've seen clips of it. It is actually so good. Yeah. They, don't, they don't give shit. They're, you know, they're asking no. whatever. They just had Draymond on. Even Draymond was talking Jackson's so much crap about really KD. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that was a great team. That was a great team. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, hard to not buy that team. And I will never forget that Baron Davis dunk on AK-47. Never forget. Oh, my yeah, God. Ripped the jersey up. Oh, that was- yeah, and the, the day after, I remember watching SportsCenter, and it was five out of the SportsCenter top tens. Each one was a different angle. That's awesome. It was amazing. Uh, Baron Davis was was wonderful to watch. I uh, Yeah, and I was like a little bit before that – Uh, Jason Richardson 
was probably the first guy that like I just watched tons of dunk tapes of, uh, like highlight real stuff. And uh, my first jersey I ever wore was Mookie Blaylock. I think I yeah. that before. Yeah, I do remember you having said that. Yeah, the Jay Rich, uh, Jay Rich was he was gonna set the record for most dunk championships in a row. I think it was, and then he kind of like tapped out and let someone else have it. Something like that, right? I think he had. I don't want to get the number wrong. He won a certain amount of dunk championships or dunk contests in a row. I mean, it was a ridiculous high flyer. Yeah, he was absurd. Um, and then I'm also thinking of uh, who was the best player when I like for, when I actually started watching basketball, like following basketball, was uh, the best player on the team I was following was Antoine Jameson. So oh, okay. you can kind of like carbon carbon date my – the start of basketball when, and I know they traded for him. I think from the they traded okay. yeah Gilbert Arenas for him. That was like the day I, that was like when I when I checked in when Gilbert Arenas left the Warriors. Yeah, I don't remember Arenas being on the Warriors. I don't remember Jamal Crawford being on the Warriors. Um, and um, yeah, the first game I remember going to was a Warriors game against the Clippers, and. Weirdly, I remember Maggetti being on the Clippers more than anything else. Um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, definitely uh, started with the same team there. It was definitely a team that was easy to fall for, especially being in the Bay. I mean, like, I, I, get, I mean, we're Kings probably we, sh- we shouldn't get too far into this, but yeah, like, Warrior, Warrior fans do. OG Warrior fans did a great job of making that Oracle just booming. Yeah, I think the first. Um game I ever went to was a Latrell Sprewell-led Knicks team. Um, I went to a game in, in Madison Square Garden when I was wow. like 10 years old, visiting family. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, what, a, what a start right there in MSG. There you go. Well, yeah, man, uh, that's all I got here. Um, I think I'm going to put out a Twitter poll that will last for a couple hours right now and see who people want us to do for this next duo. Yeah, that sounds good. Unless you have, yeah, a specific two you want to do. I'm excited to, until we get to Vassell and uh, Vassell and uh, Okoro. I'm excited for all these guys. I I am tempted to go, like, Akongu and Toppin because uh, I just noticed that Bryant has him. Akongu number two. Oh, wow. But, yeah, I mean, any of these guys I'm, I'm pretty interested in. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll throw the tweet out there and see how it comes back. But, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.